Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 1. I don't know how far we're going to get this morning, but we're going to get as far as the Lord wants us to. The Lord's been talking to me about revival. Now, folks, um, revival is something that is, I think, misunderstood. Um, two things are going to provide a, uh, a place, an environment, um, a, uh, a calling, a wooing uh, for people that are actually looking for resolve in their life, answers in their life. And that is a church that entertains and hosts the presence of God. Folks, if we don't have the presence of God, then why are we here? And secondly, people that know how to live life out of their spirit. Because many times what happens is the church comes together and we are so used to operating out of our soul or the appetite of our flesh. We have a tendency to kind of, you know, uh, be somewhat reluctant or resistant to the true divine nature of God. Because we have appetites for other things. Now, folks, one thing I've learned about being a born-again Christian is this. Just because I got saved, it doesn't mean that my personality was stripped from me. I am alive and well. (laughs) Amen. And the pretty woman on the third row said, amen. Glory to God. But um, so I think that many times we we have quirky views about church. And uh, we, we think that we got to go to church, and when we go to church, we, especially when we step in the sanctuary, we have to put on this holy hush, and, and you know, we have these rules and guidelines and, and all this stuff. Folks, a walk with God should be relational. You do what you do because you want to, because you love God. Amen. There's a motivation there. It's it's something that is stimulated out of the revelation that you have concerning what God wants to do in your life. It's a great exchange. Hello? I didn't give up what I gave up because I had to give it up. You have to understand something. In the third chapter of Colossians, starting in verse 8, and that's not our text right now, but... Paul begins to exhort the church to put away the, put away fornication and put away all these other things. Why? Because God knows the sorrows that will come from these things. God only asks you to do something because he's trying to... Oorah. Sent for five, man. 79 to 82. I'm old core. <laughs> My brother. Hallelujah. God only asks us to do these things because he knows the results of these things. Sorrow. So we are willing to comply even though we have appetites and cravings and wants and things of this sort because we, I believe that God knows best. How many's ever found that out when, you, you know, when your, your parents knew a whole lot more than you gave them credit for? Your parents were not, you know, hired by the FBI and the CIA to make your life miserable, right? When you came of age, you begin to realize that they knew what they were talking about. God knows what he's talking about. Thank you for the one amen. Amen. So anyways, trust me, he knows what he's talking about. Elohim knows what he is doing, okay? Revival is a powerful time of awakening. 
The first thing that happens in revival, and see, the reason the Lord's been dealing with me about this is because I'm walking, watching revival break out in various pockets and areas of, of the nation, but as I go in there to minister, I'm discovering something. I'm discovering that they are experiencing an outpouring, a move of the spirits, but what's not changing is the soul of the ones that are involved with the so-called revival. The, the nature's not changing. The, the, the mindsets are not changing. The, the, you know, the desires are not changing. We're, it's just an experience. And here's what you've got to understand about revival. Revival brings a moral revolution. It brings conviction. And it's not a harsh thing. It's an intervention thing. Are you listening? So that there would be a continued purpose. When you get introduced to more of God, you get introduced to the opportunity to break cycles, to break old behaviors, to come out of hurts, things of this sort. Things that continue to, 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 to want to just swallow you and hold on to you and snare you to the point that you don't think that there's any hope beyond them. That's the way the world thinks. The world thinks in that dynamic. This is the whole reason why Robin Williams did what he did. He didn't, he didn't think that there was... No, now wait a minute. Robin Williams was a believer. But he did what he did because he didn't, he, didn't knew that, he didn't know that there was any hope beyond his oppression. You know how many people in the church don't believe that there is hope beyond their scars? We should not think like this. People of his presence... People that understand the Holy Ghost. People that operate out of their born-again, rejuvenated spirits. Think totally different. They're not entertaining uh, what happens on the exterior. They're entertaining on what's happened on the interior. There's always an answer. There's always hope. So the first thing that we have to understand is that revival gives you an opportunity for your soul to be saved correctly. Remember when, Je- when Jesus told Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Matthew 26, verse 75. We know when the cock crowed, we know that Peter, he, he remembered what Jesus said, and the Bible says that he went out and wept bitterly. That word bitterly in the Greek, it means to pierce your soul through for your own deliverance. That's repentance. And the goodness of God leads all men to repentance. When you begin to understand that your soul is in a condition that is falling short of the influence and the opportunity to advance in the destiny and the calling of the divine nature of God, you begin to realize it is God's goodness that's inviting me out of this trouble. I don't have to stay here. Are you listening? Now there's a difference that's going on in the church for quite some time that needs to be straightened out because my friends, anything outside of a moral revolution with a continued purpose of advancing in your maturity and your elevation and your revelation and your knowing of God is nothing more than a meeting of giftings. Now giftings are wonderful, but if they are not providing the sovereignty of an atmosphere where you can know God in a way that you have never known God, then what you have is you've got a good meeting of giftings. 
Will it bear fruits? Sure it will. Will it maybe provide an opportunity for what I'm talking about? Possibly. But we have to be people that are aware. Okay? And there's a difference between Peter's repentance and, and Judas's repentance in chapter 27, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says that, he, that Judas throws these coins on the floor and he goes out and he was, he was sorrowful. He was remorseful. What does that mean? It means, well, I'm sorry for what I did, but under the right conditions and situation I might find myself in later, I might do it again. Anybody that's had their soul pierced through with their own deliverance is somebody that understands that what I've come out of, God's goodness and grace has delivered me from, and I make a choice never to return to that again. It is a true act of repentance. It is not just, I'm sorry for what I've done. And if I get the the, the whim or if I get the itch, whatever you want to call it, I'll go do it again. And I know that God will forgive me. See, here's here's a a troubling thought. When God stops dealing with you, that's a scary thought. I never want to be in a place of life where I, I, I take advantage of the grace of God. And there's so many people in America today that really don't understand what grace is anymore. Grace is not a spiritual eraser for what you want. It is an act of God's unmerited favor. It is a, it is a strength that God offers to provide for you to do what you can't do in your own ability. It is an agent that teaches you how to live soberly and righteously in this present world. Now this is what people are looking for. Because they understand the sorrows of the other side of the coin. And they are growing tired of it. They are growing tired of the snare. They are growing tired of the, of the bondage. They are growing tired of the fruit. It is depleting their finances. It is ruining relationships. It's costing them occupations. And they're looking... For somebody that's got enough backbone to still preach the truth. The truth's not always easy. It's the whole reason why people don't like to be around a restoration move of God. Because it means the true you gets uncovered. Not this image that we got. But most people that are found in this state can only fake it until they can't make it anymore. And there's nothing wrong with being you. It's one of the greatest freedoms that you'll ever find. Being you. God created you. So how could you being you be a bad thing? But do you know how many people are afraid to be themselves? To really put it out there? You know, the, here's, here's the crazy thing. If we come to church and, and born again people, they know how to mask stuff pretty good. Born-again people that begin to grow in their walk with God, that begin to get to a place where they know that they've got to really let God get to the hurt. What happens is they begin to bury themselves with good works. Well, I'm just going to, you know, pray more. (laughs) I think I'm going to study the Bible more. and Then all of a sudden our facade begins to turn ourselves on others around us. It's always the people closest to us that get hurt the most. Let me just say this to you. Your prayer life should not be more important than doing the dishes, running the vacuum cleaner, and making sure that you've got a meal on the table for your husband and your kids. Oh, wait a minute. I want to be spiritual. 
That is being spiritual. Hello? You'd be surprised how many people bury themselves in the study of the word. And they won't go out and work a job. Anytime that there's any kind of conflict under the roof, they they stick their head underneath the, the hood of their car. Go hunting. Whatever the so-called escape is for you. All right? But we're all running from the same thing. We're all running from the truth of who we are and where we are. We're just making whatever excuse we need to make. Okay? Love the way you're shouting right now. But I... I I will tell you that, that this, is a, this is a miraculous atmosphere that, that, that God is providing because we all are getting back to the ground zero start of honesty. Okay? Hey, listen. Everything that you could ever want from the exterior has already been deposited into you on the interior. And every pain that you have all came from the exterior. And every resolve that you'll ever get will all come from the interior. So what could be wrong with living life from the inside out? There's nothing wrong with it at all. It's the discipline. It's the commitment. Amen. It's the sobriety. Let me just say this to you. What you're going to get from the exterior is not going to benefit you in any way like the benefit from the interior. And it's time to start falling in love with Jesus again. Come on, amen. See, we have to understand that, that, you know, bodies are healed and the miraculous is experienced and doors are open. Financial opportunities present themselves, job, debt cancellations, things of this sort. But some powerful things have happened since I saw you last. Ministering at a church, sharing some things about progressive living, you know, revival. A man uh, went to his pastor after the the service and said, the Lord spoke to me and told me to write you a $325,000 check. Amen. I'm waiting for the Lord to speak that to somebody concerning me. But anyways, so they paid off their debts. They helped another church get out of debt. Amen? And then they baked me a, they baked me a, 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 a piece of cake and sent it to us in the mail. And we received it and called them blessed. Amen? Great things begin to happen in a time of revival. But the greatest thing that could ever happen is not, you know, clearing things up on the exterior. Because if you don't clear things up on the interior, the exterior will show up somewhere, somehow, later. Amen. Now, I begin to have a, uh, it's kind of funny, I think the Lord's got a sense of humor. I begin to have a, you know, a night vision. I'm going to call it a night vision because old men dream dreams and young men see visions. And I'm not ready to accept dreams yet. So I'm going to call them night visions. Okay? Can't hardly get the Lord to speak to me through the course of the day anymore. He talks to me at nights. I think the Lord's trying to say, son, you're getting a little older. <laughs> but anyways, I had, I had a night vision of a, an apostolic friend of mine in, in um, Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And he was bent over like this. And, and he was running headfirst into a wall like a battering ram. And every time he hit that wall with his head, the Holy Ghost would scream at me, tell him it's a kingdom test. He'd hit it again and the Holy Ghost would scream. It's a kingdom test. Not every opposition you face is the devil. Sometimes you just got to pass a few tests by making good choices. 
Your choices might be made in faith, not fully, the, not, not fully understanding the outcome of your decision, but you're trusting God, right? Okay? And about two weeks went by, and the Holy Spirit, I was coming home from, from intercessory prayer, and the Holy Spirit said, now I want you to call him and tell him what you saw. So I called him. I said, hey. I said, what you doing? He says, I'm in my truck. I'm headed to Mississippi. I said, well, what's in Mississippi? And he said, well, my half-sister called me and said my biological mother, who sold me at the age of three, desires to restore our relationship. And the Holy Ghost screamed at me, tell him it's a kingdom test. See, all I ever heard out of this man is how angry and bitter he was towards his birth mother. And he didn't understand the full situation. He didn't know that she didn't sell him at three. She was forced. See, she, her, he only heard one side of the coin. And I said, what you need to do is you, when you see her, you need to walk up to her and put your arms around her and say, I don't understand the full situation of why you did what you did, but I love you and I forgive you and we're going to start afresh. And I said, this is what the Lord says. The Lord says, everything emotionally that you didn't get for 50 years, will now flood you. All kinds of walls and barriers. The enemy is successful in sealing us off and holding us down and keeping us back. I say, whatever gnats in the ointment today, we kick it out. I say, whatever fox is trying to spoil the vine, we deal with it. How about that? I think it's time for us to start living out of our spirit. Start living out of the gifts of the Spirit, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the divine nature of God. This is what makes relationships relationships. They have nothing to do with surface, exterior, response, or actions. They have everything to do with knowing people out of your spirit, out of your heart. I know my wife. My wife knows me. And there's not anything we can't trust each other with. That's a good place to be in. I said, that's a good place to be in. You see, when you live life out of your spirit, you live out of the divine nature of God. The fruit of your spirit, the gifts of the spirit, they're an expression of who you are. And this this is another powerful thing that happens. You get into a perseverance that's not natural. Do you know how many people, the sign of opposition, is they're ready to quit. They're ready to throw in the towel. You see, even the preachers of L.A., are peddling things across the airwaves that are seducing churches and Christians all over America. It's okay to live together. Just take it for a test drive. And if things don't work out, there's no commitment here. How about doing it God's way? Hello? So that regardless of the opposition, you can still do it God's way. Anybody found out that the person you're married to is a little bit different than the person that you thought they were when you first got married? Uh, see, I'm not as lean, and I'm not as mean, but I'm still a Marine. <laughs> Come on, hoorah, brother. Give me an hoorah. Oh, my man. Hallelujah. We all change. But as born-again people, we have the opportunity to evolve into something that is Christ-like, right? Faith that is influenced by the supernatural. The nature that produces, you know, love and joy and peace. Could you imagine your children being raised by the inspiration of acknowledging 
the fruit of the Spirit. Hello? Are we here today? Amen. See, all this is wonderful and it's all needed. and We all can, we all can you know, circle the wagons around this. But if our character is not provoked to a deeper revelation of who Christ is in us, breakthroughs will be short-lived. You ever seen revival break out in the church? Great things happen only to come back maybe two years later or five years later and they, you find them back in the same rut that they were in when revival pulled them out of it? That's not the way things should be. You should never be like a dog returning to its vomit. You were enlightened. You were inspired. The invitation to join God was something more than where you were. Are we interested in this? I pray that we are. Because this is the pathway to your success, especially walking successfully in these last days. I know that this might even get a little old school. But old school's better than no school. Wouldn't you agree? The seeker-friendly movement came into the church after the strength of the charismatic renewal was not maintained. We have to understand this about movements. Moves of God need to be looked at and examined carefully. All right? After the charismatic renewal movement came, there also came an intercessory prayer movement. And then on the heels of the intercessory prayer movement, there came a praise and worship movement. Folks, we're not just singing songs to sing songs. Come on, psalmist, tell me. We're singing songs to find the song that God is in. Now, remember during the charismatic renewal days, we were hunting for the song. And once we found the song, we sang that song five times, ten times, fifteen times. And the more we sang that song, the presence of God got stronger and stronger. And nobody had to lead anybody to do anything. Spontaneously, people would get out of their seats and come and worship God and get saved and get filled with the Holy Ghost and and get delivered and get ministered to. So we're not singing songs just to sing songs. Zephaniah 3 and 17. The Lord our God who is in our midst is mighty. And Jesus is here. Man, I felt the Holy Ghost brush me two or three times today. Mm, I felt the Hammond get warmed up. Glory to God. There's somebody here that's got extreme lower back pain. And God wants to take care of that today. There's a left knee that God wants to heal. There's lung conditions that God wants to heal. Come on, somebody. And I thought to myself, and the Lord's been throttling me back because in the past, I would have just jumped on the furniture and just, you know, you know, kind of, you know, just kind of hurt the anointing. (laughs) Really, it's the truth. When you do something prematurely, you get into an individual thing and God's trying to do a corporate thing. I only prophesy when people won't. Hello? Amen. You're the ones that's supposed to prophesy to edify, exhort, and comfort the church, not me. I'm supposed to bring you a prophetic rhema. And so the, oh, you can all hear it and all get it at the same time. A lot of times, well, we're going to have a prophet in, and he's going to prophesy. Fill the place up with people who want personal prophecy. And all they're really getting is just a warmed-up, familiar spirit. What did you, did you hear that? He said the same thing to me that the last three prophets said. Yeah. The only reason you got a, re- a repeat visit on that is because you didn't do anything with the first time you were spoken to and now it's become a familiarity and ain't really a word from God. Love the way you're shouting right now. Amen. Glory to God. But a lot of times I just wait. I just wait. I just monitor. Feel the Holy Ghost wanting to do stuff. You can get healed while you worship. You can get a miracle while you worship. 
You can get a breakthrough, get a revelation while you worship. We're not just singing songs to sing songs. Come on, amen. Glory to God. But a lot of times what happens is movements take place and, and because we're not really interested in prayer. You know how you're going you know to find interest in prayer when you meet with God there? <laughs> you meet with God in prayer and he will meet you there. It's more than a song. You will long for your prayer closets. I was, when I first got saved, I was raised by a pack of spiritual wolves. I, I, mean, I mean intercessors. <laughs> These people were wild as bats. I mean, not weird, not, you know, not, not, you know, crazy intercession, that kind of stuff. But I, you, let me just say this to you. I'm way beyond the way folk uh, shout and, and screech and, and shake and, and wiggle. I'm way beyond all that. <laughs> I'm interested in the fruit of that. Come on, amen. And they taught me, they taught me the value of prayer. I mean, we would gather on Friday nights, and this is what we did on Friday nights. We would start praying at 7 in the evening, worshiping God, and we'd fall out of there about 4 in the morning. They taught me how to, how to enter the presence of God, how to, how to move from the presence of God. They taught me how to move in the gifts of the Spirit before I could live my day. A lot of people, they don't understand how spiritual they are. You see, the world calls it deja vu. All it really is is your spirit, man, catching up. Or your body catching up with where your spirit's been traveling. And when you understand that, there's incisions in time that you can be prepared for. How do you get prepared for that? You get prepared for that in your prayer closets. The first thing that Paul begins to exhort us in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, he begins to exhort us about prayer. And please understand this. Everybody wants to linger in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is powerful. You need to know who you are in Christ. But what you really need to know is the book of Colossians, who Christ is in you. Now listen to what this man says. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding of, that the Spirit gives. Now, this is a man that's praying something out here. He's praying out the understanding that he has gleaned of who Christ is in him through prayer. Now, when you start meeting with God in prayer in such a way that you, you come into all wisdom and spiritual understanding concerning his will, I'll guarantee you there'll be a thirst for his courts. He goes on to say, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. This is what he is reflecting on. This is what he's expressing because of what he's discovered in prayer through, through who Christ is in Him. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. That you may have great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. And the congregation said, Amen. Amen. For he has rescued us from the, from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son. He loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Take us through verse 14, please. In whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. I don't know what translation that is, 
But verse 14 in the New King James says, In whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. So the first thing we need to understand is there's a lot of ministers that think that since Brownsville, nothing else has happened in the earth. That's a mistake. Friends, there's been all kinds of movements that have come. But movements come to be extracted from, to, to, be, to, to get all that's in them. And, and if we're not interested in prayer, we're not going to be interested in praise and worship. Because your praise and worship is a, reflect, a reflection of your, your prayer life. You worship God in spirit and in truth because you're used to operating out of spirit and truth. And worship is, is a release. Worship is an act of intercession. Actually, is an, inter- an act of intercession for your neighbor. Let me encourage you. If there's ever a visitor that comes to this church, and there are, don't let that change the way you worship God. Because if that person that is here is not doing what you're doing, then if they don't want to look like a visitor, they're going to have to start doing what you're doing. It's one of the ways that people find breakthroughs when they start to imitate somebody else's walk with God. I'm imitating Jesus' walk with the Father. How about you? Come on, amen? Okay? So we have to understand these things. All right? The book of Colossians gives us insights to who Christ is in us. Listen to this. When you live life from your spirits, you live life from a place of revival. You live out of the nature of God, the the character of God, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. These These are all points of revival. Why? Because there's no depression in your spirit. There's no oppression in your spirit. There's no despair in your spirit. There's none of the soulish waves of attack and oppressions that that come by living life out of your soul. What's in your spirit is the influence that your soul needs. Come on, amen? So it's a constant place of revival. Everybody shout revival. Now listen to this. Everything that you want from the exterior life is already invested into by the interior life. And power that comes to make a difference from your life, when you choose, when you make a choice to start walking in what's already done. Now we're going to find out in the second chapter of Colossians that we're complete in him. We just need to be developed in that completeness. And if you are really interested in saying goodbye to the bondages of life, you're really going to want to pursue the completeness that has been invested into your life. Amen. I don't know why, granted, I do understand, but I don't understand how when somebody gets saved, they could choose to just go so far. I'm in this thing for the long haul. You know, maybe I'm a little odd. Maybe I'm a little different. Maybe I'm cut from a different piece of wood. I don't know. Maybe cut from a different cloth, whatever. Okay? But I'm always looking to be a new wineskin. Amen. I'm always looking to know God in a deeper and more intimate way. Can I just be transparent with you? About a month ago, I had the Lord heal me. Healed my soul. I can't hardly get upset with anybody other than the devil. There's a righteous thing going on there. Hello? My wife will tell you that, and anybody that knew me well, know, knew me well enough to know that if something came up that I didn't quite agree with, I had to say something about it. There's times to say things, and there's times not to say things. Amen? Do you know how many times I sit at lunches with pastors or go to churches where I see stuff, and, 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 and I, as an itinerant, you can do more damage by sticking your nose into stuff that's not your business. 
Hello? And you just, just, just because you see it doesn't mean that you're supposed to say something about it. So I had this edge about me where I just felt like I had to fix everything, fix everything, fix everything. And all that was was insecurity, fear. Hello? Well, if, you know, if, if, if I say the wrong thing or we do the wrong thing, Dad's not going to be too pleased. Edge about me. And the Lord just pulled that scab right off me. Poured in the oil and the wine. You know who's going to get blessed by it? My wife's going to get blessed by it. You know who's going to get blessed by it? My children are going to get blessed by it. Amen. You know who's really going to get blessed by it? When we have grandkids. Hallelujah. (laughs) I want grandkids. I got to get my daughter married first, but I want grandkids. (laughs) Amen. I said amen. Amen. So I want to exhort you. The first thing that we need to understand is the the pursuit of prayer. All kinds of things that we can say about this. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. We know that they were waiting in the upper room for a promise. Let me say something to you. Good things happen when you pray, right? We know the cloven tongues of fire set upon them all. They all begin to speak with other tongues. But this is what most people don't understand. When you start really, really looking at the first part of the book of Acts and chapters 1, verses 1 through 6, or chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, Peter and John are on their way back to prayer. Well, where were they going? They were going back to the upper, where, upper room where God lit the embers. And while they were on their way to prayer, they meet a guy at the gate called Beautiful. And I'm so tired of, you know, poverty-stricken Christians. Slick-haired, shiny-shoed, weak-kneed, spineless preachers. This is, what, this is what Peter says to him. He said, silver and gold have I not. It's not that the man didn't have no money. But what he was expressing to this man was this. We get started on the wrong foot here. This is the way you'll be dependent upon me. If I meet your financial need then you'll always be looking to me to meet your financial need. So such as I have, and such as everybody that has in this room, I give to thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He started his relationship with this man from the presence and the power of God. This is where every relationship needs to start. You need to know one another after their spirit, the quest in their spirit, the destiny in their spirit, the desires of their spirit. Hello? It is a bond that life can do nothing with, no matter how it's challenged. Are you listening? In chapter 4, verse 31, they were going right back to the upper room. And you know what God did? God just shook the place, rebaptized them, and gave them boldness. Come on, you stay in the right place and stuff happens. So prayer is a key. You receive instructions in prayer. And the beauty, the beauty about being instructed in prayer is the minute you get a revelation, now you are engrafted into the conduct of that revelation. You are now able to live what has been brought alive in you. Regardless of what you're thinking, regardless of how you've been, regardless of the cycle that you're in, nothing's greater than what's come alive in you. And you have a release to live out the conduct of what you've been inspired by. It's all coming up out of your spirit. Come on, amen. Now, life will counter that. The way we've been trained and programmed will counter that. But the bottom line is, greater is he that is in you than he that is after you. (laughs) That's the way the text says it. That's the way I like preaching it. Come on, amen. 
Glory to God. So let me encourage you. Proverbs 17 and 16. Why is there in the hand of a fool the purchase price of wisdom? Since he has no heart for it? I'll tell you why. Because maybe that person don't want to be no fool. Tired of being a fool. Tired of being played the fool. The reason it's been given to you, the reason it comes after you, the reason it's trying to capture you is so that you don't have to stay snared by it. That's the whole reason why it comes. It's because maybe deep down on the inside, that person doesn't want to be like that. Hello? Anybody ever looked at your life at a point in time and and thought to yourself, who am I? How did I get here? (laughs) Nobody. We've all been there. We might all be there. The fact still remains. The reason wisdom comes is to deliver us, to, to provide a different way of living. Amen. Second thing I want to give to you this morning is this, the pursuit of your posture. Everybody shout posture. In the second uh, chapter of Colossians, we'll start in verse 4, and we'll go through verse 12. Colossians 2 and 4, and while they're getting that up, I will say this to you. The Lord has always moved beyond where we are so that we can embrace what he's doing and the way he's doing it and live beyond where we are. Anybody ever had a desire to get past things? Anybody ever had the devil tell you this is the way it's going to be? It's always going to be like this. Let me just say this to you. The devil is a liar. And he couldn't tell the truth if his life depended on it. Are you listening? So really, anytime the devil tries to tell you something, you should should rejoice. You shouldn't believe this stuff. You know how many people get get, get so frustrated and they say, I'm leaving the church. Well, does that make any sense at all? Why in the world would you want to leave a church that actually can keep a lifeline alive to your life? Why don't you just make a decision? If you can leave a church, just make a decision. I'm leaving the devil. How about that? Hello? Amen? And here's, here's the beauty of, of, of Revelation. Jesus said it this way in John 15 and 2. He said, you're already clean by the washing of my word. You know, when I read that, the Holy Ghost leaped in me. And he says, now, this is the way I really want you to pitch it. Anytime Revelation comes alive in you and provides the purchase price of wisdom to you so that you don't have to be punked anymore, Tell the people that in the light of what they've seen, there is a sanctifying act of grace. It sanctifies us from guilt and condemnation. Because even though you have the pull, the allurement of God's enticing goodness, you still have to deal with condemnation. You still have to deal with guilt. But here's what I want you to really deal with. Deal with what you're dealing with in the light in which God pitched it to you. He's not the one that's giving you the guilt. He's not the one that's putting the condemnation on you. He's the one that's giving you an opportunity to sanctify yourself from it and respond to it. Why in the world do you want to live backwards? Right? Isn't there a reason why your rearview mirror is smaller than your windshield? Just a thought. Maybe where you're going needs to be a whole lot bigger than where you've been. Somebody help me. Come on, amen. Glory to God. And then this is an interesting thought because in verse 17, Jesus said this. Jesus said, I don't call you strangers. I I call you you friend. In fact, I like coming a little closer. I call you son. 
And he says this. He says, people that understand this relationship that I have, they're fruit-bearing people. And the Lord, the Lord spoke to me and he said, you've got to tell the people, I don't, I don't listen to people who don't bear fruit. Because their pleas to me are mercy pleas. They're not out of faith. He said, I listen to people who are bearing fruit. They're hungry. They're ambitious. They're looking for resolve. They, they've come to the understanding that God's not going to get them out of it. God has gotten them out of it. Come on. Come on, y'all. This, this, is, this is the way to live life. Wouldn't you agree? All right. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 says this, that God desires to make us whole, spirit, soul, and body. Is my text ready, guys? Until they put that up, let me just continue. Until we receive ministry in our souls, no matter how much dream or how much vision you have in your spirit, how much destiny you have in your spirit, you'll never get to the fullness of it. Okay? I mean, think about it. Colossians chapter 2 starting in verse 4 through verse 12. You can have all kinds of vision, all kinds of dreams. Think about how many people should, that should be starting businesses. But because of the condition of their souls, let me just tell you this. Every phobia, okay, every, every, every stronghold that shows up in the residency of the mind, the will, and the emotion has everything to do with the pain that people have been through. All right? So you can have all kinds of dreams and visions, but never really get to the fullness of what God created you for until that soul gets healed, right? I want you to think about, here's, here's, the, here's, here's the beauty of Christianity. It doesn't matter how much water's under the bridge. It doesn't matter how much time has elapsed. God's an ever-present help. Today is the day of a new beginning, a fresh start, a launch. That's just the way the Lord thinks. The Lord doesn't say, oh, no, no, no. I know that I created you to do this great stuff, but, you know, some things have happened, and, you know, I just don't, th- don't think that we can get to it. Hello? You'd be surprised how many people think that way. You could have been born underneath a bridge. The minute you got saved, life can't hold you. Hello? Oh, it'll try. It'll try and leave its marks. But you ought to just say, hey, listen, I'm tired of listening to what has gone wrong. You know, I was around somebody not too long ago. All they talked about was the devil. The devil, devil, devil. Devil, devil, devil. I thought to myself, (laughs) I'm depressed. I need to start talking about Jesus. (laughs) Come on, amen. Would anybody like to leave some of this baggage behind? You need to start talking about Jesus. Talking about the way God thinks and the way God moves and the way God operates. Right? Amen. You have to understand these things. All right. And here's something that's going to help you. Getting around people that actually love you. Love you enough to tell you the truth. There's not a person in this room that's going to reach their full potential without being mentored and fathered. Okay. The whole process is wonderful. All right. And there's all kinds of things that can trip you up along the way. Getting to the end of somebody's maturity, somebody's character. And it's normally at that point in time that you're mature enough to function on your own. But what happens is when you don't realize that, you'll start expecting out of people what now you should be mature enough to expect out of God. You start placing demands on the wrong resources. Hello? But you've got to evolve to that point. You've got to grow to that point. But that means that you've got to be around somebody that will tell you the truth. Anybody ever been around somebody that told you the truth and they just made you mad? 
Well, you know, you needed to be made mad. Because God's blessed us with this emotion called anger. Many times people just want to flip out and get angry instead of understanding why they're angry. You're angry because you've got an unresolved issue that you apparently... Let me just throw this to you. How many times do you think God's tried to rescue you before he finally did? You think that he tried a couple of times? Uh, this is... This is This is the the, the tenaciousness of our God. He does not want us left undone. Come on, amen. So our text, verse 4, please. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your your good order and the steadfastness of the faith in Christ, of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Oh, amen. These are all points that we need to spend time on. But beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceits, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, world not according to Christ Somebody's got to tell us the truth at the cost of our relationship. Amen. At least they know that they've heard the truth, regardless of what they do with it. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Look at the punctuation. Here's here's the real meaning. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. That's what he's really saying. Yeah, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And now you're complete in this. You're being developed in this. You're walking from the establishment of this. In him, in him you were also crucified with one circumcision made, uh, made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made a life together with him, having given you all, or having forgiven you of all trespasses. Thank God. Aren't you glad that God is not holding your past against you? Because many times our past is not really our past. It's somebody else's past that they left on us. Right? Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which, in contra- which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So that, no one ju- so that no one judge you in food or in drink or in regarding of, of a festival or a new moon and Sabbath and things of that sort, which, in, which are a shadow of the things to come, but, the, the substance, but not the substance of Christ. We needed to, we needed to, I don't want to read the whole chapter. But here's, 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 here's the truth. If you understand this, you understand that anything that tries to violate the jurisdiction of your authority can't do it. Okay? That's the whole reason why Jesus did what he did when he dealt with Satan in Matthew 4. And here's the thing. You whip that authority that's been an authority in your life too long, and everything that supports that authority will lose its merit. 
Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Every demon that Jesus ran into after he dealt with their boss couldn't contend with him. And see, here's the thing. When this begins to loosen its grip and you begin to understand that it's got to go, everybody in this room is scheduled. And, and, the, and the surgery of heaven is painless. God will throw anesthesia on you and extract from you and stuff will leave you and you won't even know what left you. <laughs> I'm different. Ain't got no edge. Glory to God. Hello? Amen? You're here today. And it's five minutes until 12. Normally great things happen after 12. It's the truth. You know how many people get up and leave a service that they should never get up and leave? Sissy? Isn't God good? Has not the Lord worked on your behalf? You know, I got about halfway through this, and the Lord just said, tell her. Tell her, it's been my intervention. Amen. I was here that Sunday. I got to hear that opportunity. I thought to myself the whole time, oh, she has started the ball rolling in the right direction. Now, nobody out to hurt her is going to be successful. <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel like running through a wall. Amen. Anybody, anybody tired of the wrong authority being the authority of your life? Nothing's going to change until you let the Lord start healing your soul. Now, here's the thing. God's not asking you to give him your truckload of problems. Paul says it this way. This one thing I do. How about one thing? It could be one thing that has opened the door to too much. How about one thing? Is there one thing that you could bring to the altar right now? Is there one thing that you desperately want God to heal in your life? Folks, until this happens, even our passion and our love for God is going to wane. We will not hunger and thirst for the right things. Is there one thing that you can honestly say, God, I desperately need to be healed of? In your mind, in your will, in your emotions. It might be something that you inherited, okay? Might be even a familiarity that you might need deliverance from. But I will tell you this. The man that God created is the man that we don't see today. Not even close to the man that God created. This stuff needs to go. His likeness needs to be developed. It's our answer. It's the answer to all humanity. When people come in here, they should know that there is help here. They might not know how to go about getting it, but they are intrigued and drawn to it. And if they hang around here much longer, or any longer than maybe they, they maybe chose to stay, they'll heal. They'll be saved, they'll be delivered, and they'll heal. Some of you might not even be aware of who you're sitting next to, who you're lowering down the wall in a basket. But I'm not going to do a Geico commercial this morning. You know where Pinocchio makes a good motivational speaker? Everybody in this room's got potential. You've got potential? Whoop. You've got potential? Whoop. Oh, boy. But it's the truth. (laughs) Nothing I've said to you is a lie. Everything I said to you is the truth. Now, how about it? How about it? Do you want this out of your life? Do you want more of his life to increase in you? Do you? Do you want to heal? If you do, come up here. You want to heal, come on up here. Folks, I'm telling you something. We have no idea 
the degree that God is about ready to dump on us. Tonight, the whole reason why God's dealing with the church the way he's dealing with the church is because we are being invited back into our original clothing. It's called the glory of God. And we're going to talk about that tonight. You and I just need to get over to him what we need to give over to him so that we can step in to our original clothing. The rest of it's just animal skin. Come on, amen. You want to heal today? You might say, you know, I hear the, I hear the Lord saying, there's somebody here that, that thinks that they're too angry and bitter. The Lord says, dismiss that. I'm your answer. You want to heal today? Come. Come on up here. Oh, God. Everybody in this room should be in this altar. They really should. But you know what? We serve a good God. We might need to forgive today. Whatever we got to do, let's just do it. I'm not asking you to forget because that's going to be impossible. But what we can't get past is the steam that constantly causes it to replay itself in our lives. Father, I pray for anybody that needs to get past grief. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray for any words that have been spoken, any actions that have been taken. I pray for recovery over being abandoned. And they might not have had people walk out on them, but they might not have never had somebody be there for them. I have a son in the Lord like that. He didn't even know how to have proper table manners. Wasn't taught. Father, I pray for the hurt that is here in this altar. And God, I I pray a release over these precious people today. In the name of Jesus, the past today is going to truly be the past. And from this moment forward, we're going to live in who Christ is in us. We're going to live out revelation. We're going to live out the divine nature of God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your healing power today. You know, I hear the Lord saying this. Some of you think that you've made mistakes that you can't be recovered from. That is a lie that gets washed free today. Some of you wish that you were better parents. Some of you wish that maybe what you've sown into your children could never, ever change. Let me say this to you. Some of you that have children that you do not have a relationship with, your change is going to start the process of their freedom. Father, in the name of Jesus, regardless of where life has left its mark, I'm praying that from this day forward, we would bear in our bodies only one thing, the marks of the life of Christ. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pronounce healing. I speak healing over these precious people. You're here today and you need to be saved. 
you might have never invited Jesus into your heart. Would you lift your hand and say, that's me? I want you to pray for me today. I need to get saved. I need to get saved. I need to get saved today. Amen.